Blog Talk Radio. You know, you would think after all the time that I've been doing this that when I hear that, it wouldn't make me laugh every time. <laughs> but it does. It's just so much fun. So this is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin. This is the Cave Factor on Blog Talk Radio where cake was kindness and the factors are all the things that lead to it. And I'm here with my co-host and really, you know what, Richard? I'm going to say you're a dear friend as well as a business associate. We got it going on. I I appreciate that because I consider you a dear friend also. I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll put this out there. Uh, there are <laughs> a lot of people whose minds I respect. Oh. As I don't think most people think. I think they think. But you're one of those people whose mind I, res- I respect because you challenge the limits. Oh, like bless you. Well, I'll tell you what, that's high praise. You and I are both really strong personalities, and we do think a lot. So I'm on here today with my co-host on what I call the K-Factor, Terrific Tuesdays, Conversations with Richard Flint. So I described in our write-up for today, and it's really, it's a little repetitive, but really not so much, because a truth is a truth is a truth. And Richard Flint has been around for a long time giving counsel to people, using his passion for human beings and for what I call the human condition, to try to lead people into a place where they have a better opportunity to have the life that they're craving because they're thinking about it and not just feeling about it. And Richard, I have to tell you, I'm inspired by you today after listening to the morning minute from yesterday and today. And you're talking about feelings. And if what you're doing is feeling, 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 and not thinking, you're in trouble. Yep. And you use something that I think is a, is a tremendous concept. And uh, it ties into what you just said. And it, it deserves uh, a moment of conversation and understanding. Okay. Because I think it's a point of confusion in today's world, and that is human condition. Yes. What is the human condition in today's world? Oh, my Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we better have a little nervous giggle about it because it's like, (laughs) what in the world? What is going on out there? Well, and, and, and the question is not only what is going on out there, but who is leading it, and what is it creating for people? Yeah. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure we know who's leading it. I think in previous conversations, one of the things that I found myself saying is, we need to come together and sit down and talk to leadership, and and do the peace talks. You know, I remember. Uh, learning about Golda Meir during terrible times for uh, the Middle East. And she said as the leader of Israel, you're coming to my home and you're sitting at my table and we will sit at a round kitchen table and we will have soup. I will make the chicken soup and you will come and you will eat. We will sit. We will talk. We will figure out peace. In this instance, who do you invite to the table? Well, uh, I'm not sure who I could invite without being fearful of them showing up. Yeah. 
you know, and that's just, a, that's just an honest statement because, you know, it goes back to something you and I have talked about for the last two Tuesdays. And that is, is this really a movement that's being driven by a crusade that's looking for improvement mm-hmm. or a point of riot that's being driven by wanting to blame everybody mm-hmm. except their self. I was in a conversation yesterday with a gentleman who's part of my morning minute, and we got to talking about this, and he made a statement, and it just turned a light bulb on in my head because with what you do with the K-factor, yeah. you're really trying to create a servant mentality. Well, my role is to be kind. My role is to reach out. My role is to love people to the extent that they will accept my love. Yeah. But what I see happening today is that that kindness, that K factor, that servant mentality is being rewritten into a server mentality. Mm. You're here to serve me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're whatever I think you need to do for me. Yeah. You're, you're white privileged. Yep. Uh, and, you know, if you if you have, then you should share. doesn't matter whether I deserve it or not. Uh, and I, I'm not going to stop uh, until you succumb to my demands. Let me, let me put a little twist in there. It is, it is not a you have, you should share, you got, I want. Correct. And I, when I saw people, I, I predicted this, by the way, and I'm not proud of it. I, you know, it's not a point of bragging. It's a point of understanding the human condition. And with this out of control is people who were looting and rioting. And please, if you're listening and you want to argue with us about, it's not called rioting. It's not called looting. It's called protesting. Wait, ex- wait a second. Uh, no, no, no. Stop pretending and call it what it is. You show up with weaponry of all sorts. That's not that. But when they were able to, when these people were allowed to walk on highways, walk on streets, block traffic, stop traffic, turn traffic around, uh, get into events with drivers who were trying to get through, you know, truck drivers come into mind. When you were allowed to walk down uh, downtown Seattle, downtown Portman, Portland, um, Austin, uh, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and, and, and you know, somewhat in St. Louis, when you're able to do the destruction that you've done, the last figure that I heard in Chicago for the second episode of mass destruction in the city was $6 billion. Um, you know, maybe my math is off, but if it's a big number, it's a big number. And I don't care if it's $100. If there's no stopping you, it was only a matter of time before people said, now we're coming into the residential neighborhoods. And on their megaphones, with lights that they shine through your windows, screaming at two o'clock in the morning, get up, get up, get out of your house. You're in, you know, you're in your house, you're comfortable, 
get out here on the street. Give us your home. Really? Yeah, no, that's not service. That's not servant mentality. That's a ruthless, horrifying, harassing, bullying demand. And I cannot believe that that's not been stopped. Whoa. Hang on a second. Hey, there. <laughs> so I'm on with that with Deb Carlson. I'm on for an hour. Carlin. All right. Bye. <laughs> no, I said Carson rather than Carlin. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I, I was watching some old episodes of Johnny Carson early this morning. So. <laughs> well, I will I will be mistaken for one of his relatives any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're, you're right. I mean, what right do you have to scream in my face that I'm wrong just because I won't agree with your opinion? By the way, they don't even know what our opinions are. When people are screaming out for their cause of no justice, no peace, defund the police, abolish the police, Black Lives Matter, I never said black lives didn't. I never have behaved as though black lives don't matter. I am a Caucasian person. I was raised to have love and consideration for my fellow man. And by the way, you know, you can't say anything without feeling like somebody is going to attack you. If anybody wants to attack me for saying my fellow man instead of my fellow human beings or my associates in humanity, You know, I am gender specific. There are men and there are women. And when I talk about mankind, it's not a slam to females. So cut it out. You know, this whole thing of like everybody's got to be in a, in a, in a, in a, in a pot of everything is one and we all come together. We're already one. We're already together. So, you know, Richard, I haven't had anybody who is chanting on the street, ask me my opinion. They're just out there screaming what they want. And and I don't know that these people are really screaming about anything in terms of evidence that they actually know. Well, they have no evidence. They just have situations. Mm-hmm. And even with some of these situations, they leave out the facts. That's correct. The because feeling. the facts get truth. Yeah. It's the same thing with the media. The media leaves out facts. Yeah, they do. Because what they're wanting to do is ignite this anger. Yeah. They're wanting to pour fuel on the fire. And then they want to step back and end up. Uh, Watch and watch. Yeah. Well, you know me, and I believe the opposite of wisdom is stupidity. Yeah, it is. So I think in their state of stupidity, and that's all I can call this, is a state of stupidity, that they're, they're taking situations and using them as a justification for their mob mentality. And I go back to what you what you were talking about. This was really a cause. If this was really something that they were concerned about, then 
let's sit down and talk about it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and and and, and I'm not a highly political person. No, I'm not either. You can take me to a point where I got to say something. Yeah. And if I look at this Democratic Congress up there that has had the opportunity to sit together and talk about what can we do, and yet what they do is they keep creating more and more and more divide. Yeah. All they're wanting to do is take this to the election. They just want this to get to the election time. And I'm sorry, I think this is going to turn around and bite them in the butt. Well, I'll tell you what, I am, I am very concerned about what's going on. I'm seeing more and more people stepping forward courageously. I, I, I got up at, at like 3.15 this morning, 3.15, 3.20, and I, I laid in bed, grabbed my phone, and I was on social media, and I was on YouTube, and I was looking at news on there, and I was, and I was just, um, I was proud of some of what I saw. With, with people who I admire stepping up and saying, this is not right. I don't recognize the Democratic Party anymore. I don't recognize our Congress anymore. What is with all this screaming and infighting? And excuse me, it started in the media. Years ago, I was looking at the media thinking, excuse me, are those people just interrupting one another? Because there used to be a certain decorum and etiquette when you're on TV, you're a host, you invite people on, you're polite, you talk, you know, they talk, it's question and answer, it's dialogue. People are being asked to come on as guests and they're being screamed at by the host. And I'm thinking, wait a second, surely somebody's going to call this out. No, they start this panel then. And, you know, people come on and, and everybody's yelling. And I'm, and I'm watching this thinking this is going to just really deteriorate quickly into our culture because these are our role models. They are, mm. they, they are our role models. Sure enough, what do you see in Congress? People screaming at each other. People arguing. People arguing in Congress and out on the street with each other. They're being interviewed. People calling each other names. I don't care who you are. Don't call anybody else names. Don't make fun of people. Don't harass them. Don't bully them. Don't tear them down. If you have something constructive that you would like to say, then say that. I haven't, I haven't bullied or harassed or torn anybody down. Well, what I am saying and what you are saying is, where's the reasonability here? Where's the accountability here? Excuse me, if you're a mayor or a governor, you have one job to do. You have one singular job to do. Protect your citizenry. And protect the real estate and everything that is on it that is in your domain, in your sphere. So when you're allowing all this destruction, and you, excuse me, you think these people who are rioting are your friends? Do you think that they're your supporters? Everybody out there now is getting, is getting turned on. Well, is it amazing this morning that the, 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 the rioters were in front of the house of the mayor of Portland demanding he resign? Yes. I mean, what did he think was going to happen? That somehow these people were his loyalists? I got to tell you this, Deb. I was on the phone yesterday with a couple of uh, two of my mentoring students, and they were sharing with me an experience that they had in the grocery store the day before. That they were, um, they live in Ocala, Florida, and they were grocery shopping.
shopping and they saw this little lady and she, they knew her and they said she was about 83, 84 and she had a Trump hat on <laughs> and she was going through shopping and they said they were watching this and this, uh, this young couple started to go to her and you could tell they wanted to say something about the Trump hat and they said she just had her basket of hands leaned in and said, he got something to say <laughs> and they just turned and walked away. <laughs> But that's what we have to come today. If, if, if it's our belief, we have to stand in our belief. I know. And, you know, but belief sometimes, how do I say this? A belief that can't be challenged is an opinion. There you go. And if this is my belief and you want to talk to me, not scream at me, right. but talk to me, I will have that conversation with you. But I will not allow you to disrespect me because I don't agree with you. Yeah. You know, life is based in disagreement that's designed to find solution. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure somehow we've sort of lost that. You know, there is a, there is a, an element in our culture that is um, sorely missing. And it sounds corny to some people. I was literally raised on Emily Post's blue book of etiquette. Go ahead and laugh, but why did she create it? Because she wanted when people were coming into her home for them to know the formalities that would make it a much lovelier encounter. Thank you. If you find a copy of that today. Oh, I've got it. I I mean, would you think if you went to the bookstore, the shelves would be packed with that book? (laughs) Everybody wants a copy. (laughs) You know, it's, it's it's so sad because you're not supposed to say cruel things to other people. If you have, if you have a dispute with someone, you're either supposed to be civilized in your exchange, not your screaming aunt, but in your exchange, or if you really have had it, you're fed up with somebody, there's nothing more to say. You just don't say anything. It goes back to what my mother taught me as a little girl. If you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Now, people will say, why a freedom of speech? If freedom of speech was not written by our forefathers so that you could go out and use vulgar language, you know, either with your mouth or with your spray can and get away with that. Freedom of speech is just like with tenure professorship at the colleges where you have, the, you have the freedom to do your scholarly work. And if it's not politically um, aligned with who's in control and in authority, you're not going to lose your job over it. Unfortunately, what's happened now is our universities have turned into brainwashing tanks instead of think tanks. I don't see etiquette and, and nice manners and people treating each other with mutual respect. That's a big deal. Secondly, I don't see evidence of critical thinking skills. From the time I was a child in grade school, we were taught critical thinking skills are really essential for life. And I, you know, I was very confused about it all during grade school and into high school. What is all this talk about critical thinking skills? And what do you mean? Well, it means that you've got the intellectual capability. Your brain has evolved to the point where you've got enough neural networks that you can now actually hypothesize 
and thinking terms of consequences and contingencies. You can knit together your thoughts and have imagination that you can actually actualize. But I'm telling you, these people are out on the streets and they're in rants and they're in rage. And it's like, this is what I want right now. Shut up. Get out of my way. Gimme, gimme. Okay. Any consequences for that? No. Any penalties for that? No. Any consideration about the long-term implications of that for yourself or for anybody standing next to you or for anybody who's in your line of fire or for future generations? No. You want to know something interesting, too? Uh, This was being shared with me this morning. Uh, There was a post that came out in Phoenix. Uh, You know, Trump went there. Yeah. And there was an ad that was posted (laughs) to hire actors to be protesters, and they would pay him $15 an hour to show up and protest Trump. What? (laughs) And it was was revealed? Yeah, it was real. Okay. Who posted that ad? Do we know who did? Who posted that ad? But that sends a message, does it not? I want I want to do the research. I want to know who paid for that ad to be posted. And I think we sh- you know what? I think we should contact whoever it is who did that. I want to know who that is. Well, uh, it was on uh, it was on Facebook, and uh, it was posted by uh, um, Dr. Charlie Sink, S I N K. Man, and, oh, man. You know, it was, it was a posted. It was an ad that was posted looking for actors to protest at Trump's appearance, $15 an hour. And people are willing to do that for $15 sure. an hour. $15 an hour? <laughs> Dear God in heaven. But, you know, it, it comes back to this whole thing. Uh, those two words you used in the beginning, the human condition. And what kind, what kind of a condition is this nation in right now? I mean, is it a nation that's being driven to widen the divide? Yeah, it is. Uh, is it a nation where what we're actually doing, because we have leaders who are wanting to resolve rather than pour gasoline on the fire? <clears throat> That's a brilliant question. Say more about that. Yeah. I mean, how would you define leadership? How, how would you define a leader? A leader is somebody who has a very clear vision about something that they feel passionate about, and they want to lay the pathway for accomplishment. And there's only one thing that makes a leader one thing. It is really essential. And that's, do you have followers? Do you have followers? Because you're not a leader unless you have followers. They have to be genuine, authentic followers for you. Not for people standing next to you, but for you. You know, so they will do anything in the world for you because they, they, have, they have come to listen to you. They hear you. They see you. They feel you. And you have made your vision so clear that they are completely attached to it and they will follow you into whatever it takes to accomplish it. But 
do you think how do I state this? If you have a mass of people yep. who don't think, can they simply be led by someone who has the ability to create? Yep. So let's talk about that for a second. I'll tell you exactly the vision that goes through my mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're not witnessing overt leadership right now. Those protesters, those rioters, those looters who are on the street, who are for hire, they're not being led by an obvious individual. Whoever posted that ad saying, we'll hire you for $15 a piece or $15 an hour, they're not putting that name to that advertisement. Somebody just was paid to do a job, just put it in the paper, just get it out there. When they show up, we'll tell them what to do. We'll tell them for how many hours. We'll get them paid by whatever the method is. The leader who is behind it has got a very clear agenda about exactly what they want to see done. And through the the wielding of, of uh, payments, favors, cash, whatever, they've got people who are buying in. So it's a false leadership, and everybody can jump on their bandwagon. And that leader, it doesn't matter what their private agenda is. What they have said is, I want you to do this, and here's what I'll do for you in return. And I want you to do this, and I'll do for you in return. I think that there are people sitting in our Congress who got into office because there is somebody behind the scenes who has paved the way. And nefarious, you know, really mean-spirited, evil agenda, anti-American completely. And they're not stepping forward to make a speech and say, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I'm going to do. It's like it's like a giant marionette show. Well, you know, the name I keep hearing uh, that comes through silent conversations and not loud chatter is Soros. George Soros. Mm-hmm. And he's given speeches in the past, but he's very absent on the front now. But he sure does provide a lot of money. There are indications that that's absolutely accurate. And here's what I don't understand. If that, if all that information is really accurate, then why in the world would anybody align with that? I mean, why would any of our leaders that we've known in our country, why would anybody align with that? I mean, is it that we've elected people into offices to to represent us as American citizens and they themselves do not love the United States of America? Are we are we are we so gullible as a nation of people that we have put people into very powerful political positions? to make decisions for us, and yet their platform was not authentic. Their platform was not genuine. I'm asking those questions because I don't know the answers. I hear those silent conversations too, Richard, and I think we better start asking those questions because I really don't want to be living in a country where I don't know who my real leadership is. I don't really know. Are you an American or do you just look like an American? 
Are you for a democracy? Oh, I lost him. I don't know why that happens. It's so sad. I have to wait for him to knock on the door again. Gosh darn it. So we have all kinds of things that happen with technology here. And sometimes, like in a conversation like this, when it's getting intense, I really wonder if we're being shut off on purpose. I hope not. These are sincere questions about the United States of America. These are sincere questions about what is it that's happening here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to call him and ask him if he's coming back. Oops. Yep, I don't think I want that number. I want that number. <laughs> I might be finishing this episode on my own. Isn't this funny? Well, these are the kinds of things that happen. We're about halfway through the show. And we got, boom, magically disconnected. This is Richard Flint. Listen, sorry I'm not here. <laughs> oh, boy. Mobile, mobile. You got cut off. All right. So here's the thing. Let me ask you a question. Maybe Richard Flint will make it back in here, and maybe he won't. I don't know. But here's what I'm wondering, really and truly, as you're sitting there and you're either watching this video or you're listening to the audio on um, Block Talk Radio, does it occur to you at any level that we don't know who all these people in Congress are? How do we have people there, I mean, really, who, who are promoting a socialist agenda? And then there are people who are saying it's not a socialist agenda, it's a democratic agenda, and I want you to, you know, believe me on that. Okay, except why then are we, are we arguing with one another about what's real? Why are we arguing with one another about is it communism, is it socialism, is it dictatorship, is it capitalism? What is it that you are sitting out there wanting from your government? Here's Richard. He's back again. All right. This is great. It's so much more fun when you're here, my friend. Where did you go? It was me. (laughs) I was just telling our audience. I don't know where he went. I tried to call you on your home and mobile. And I'm I'm saying, you know what? I wonder if it's Alexa turning us off because we were really getting (laughs) to it, you know? There's all kinds of rumors. But, you you know, the question really is, and I was just saying this to our listeners now, what is it that you really want from your country? What do you want from your leadership? Is it it, it true? Are the Democrats correct when they're saying nothing in their convention about violence? And then when, when the Republicans go onto their convention, and that's the major theme is unrest and violence in the streets, and it's got to come to a stop. And now the Democrats are saying the Republicans are stirring it up. They're the ones creating all this, just like they're the ones who created the virus. What do you want from your country? Do you want to be 
a, a capitalist society where you get to earn what you want, however you want, do with it you, however you want, and your personal property is your own? Or do you want to be a socialist or a communist country where you'll be told exactly what to do, where you can live, who lives with you, what you drive, where you go, your money's not your own, and you can't own anything privately. It's a collective. Well, you know, make a decision and don't pretend that it's not what it is. Well, and some people will will argue, well, that's not what the Democrats are talking about. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, and, um, you know, don't, don't, don't put your head in the sand right now because, you know, the, it's, not, it's not as much, much the future of our country right now. It's about the direction of our country. Yes, it is. The future is going to follow the direction. And so what I look for when I look for leadership is I, I look for what's the direction of the person. Yeah. Where are they going to take us? I mean, and when when I look at uh, Biden and I look at Harris, uh, I can't see them. I see the forces behind them. Yeah. I I see Bernie. I I see some of these other radical people that are just waiting to tear this country apart. And then it'll be interesting because if they tear the country apart, where are they going to have left? Well, that's the question that I want to pose. What is Bernie's mission? I mean, what is what is it that he wants out of life? Well, that's a real good question. And I'm not sure that I've heard anybody answer that question. I know that they, uh, they don't want us to be able to get on an airplane. Uh, I, I know that... Uh, I love I love a good steak every now and then. I'm not going to be able to find beef. I know that no matter how hard I work, I'm going to have to pay for other people not working. You know, I, I was having a conversation with another one of my clients that lives uh, right outside of Toronto this morning, and he owns a, a pretty good sized collision repair company. And the economy has played with them, but they've been deemed in Canada as essential. Okay. So he had this guy that came to him and wanted wanted him to Albert to lay him off during this COVID time because he could sit at home and collect eight hundred dollars a week. Yeah, right. Now, now that money's drying up; it's not going to be there. So he comes back to Albert and he says, "I want my job back." And Albert says, "No." Yeah. He says, "Well, you owe me my job back." Oh, really? Yeah. And he told he told Albert. I'm going to sue you. And Albert said, sue me. But it's, it's back to this mentality that, you know, it's, it's more than just it's all about me. It's about me and what you should do for me. And what, what happened to the ethical foundation of this country? Well, yeah, yeah I, I'll tell you what, I'm sitting here thinking that exact thought because I don't know what you do with that kind of mentality. I don't know what you do with that kind of mentality because once somebody has adopted that mindset, I don't know what do you do to turn that around. It would take 
some sort of, um, you know, how do we motivate or inspire somebody to recognize it's much better to earn it on your own than to have somebody give it to you? Because, you know, there's a myth out there. You know, like when people say to me, oh, oh, Deb, oh, Dr. Carlin, you're so lucky, you know, to be a doctor. Really? Okay, that's if luck means hard effort, diligence, dedication, loyalty intersecting with deep commitment, then that would be luck. Nobody, I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't uh, go to the crap tables or whatever those spinning t- roulette table and, and throw down some, you know, marbles or whatever you throw down in there and by luck or by odds win my credentials. It was, you know, it, you know, grade school, high school, college, graduate school, training, and, you know, um, all that. Or, oh, you're so lucky. Oh, you're so lucky that you have a book published. No, uh, more than a handful. And it wasn't luck. How do you figure luck comes into it? Well, how did you know how to write it? Okay, well, you know, it's a process of education. It's a process of dedication and time and effort and, and ambition and inspiration and desire. It's not luck. Hard work is rewarding. I love to go and garden. I love the hard work, the effort of the gardening. I love, you know, when you love the reward that you get, that's intrinsic reward. It's amazing. But you know what? Here's the real tragedy. We have, as a culture, people who are saying, let's help everybody. Okay, let's help everybody learn how to help themselves. Because if what we do is we think we're helping people by getting them addicted to the help, then we're ruining them. Then that is enslavement. That is an enslavement. And that is a terrible thing to do, to take people's pride away from them, to take people's ability to have an ability to believe in themselves. When we take that away from them, that that is just out and out, downright sinful. I want to see, you know, this is going to sound nuts to a lot of people, but I'm telling you what. I would like to just round up all the people who are rioting and looting, and I'll pay you 25 bucks an hour for a 40-hour week. We're going to do peace, and we're going to do meditations, and we're going to eat really good organic food just for that week, and we're going to, we're going to place you in groups with people who really own this philosophy and this lifestyle and this ability and they all have a a certain authority and a power and a commitment to it and we're going to massage them and and exercise with them and feed them and get them into a zone that they don't know and then we're going to have them do tasks that are about their talent and we're going to have them come out on the other side understanding intrinsic reward and they will never What's going to happen when you only have two people show up? And that would be you and I as teachers. <laughs> well, what, hap- what happens when, 
rather than to teach people to fish, we give them the fish. And at some point, we have to run out of fish. That was the exact imagery that I had gone through my mind. I know. Listen, I was telling you my vision. (laughs) So here's what I think we ought to do. We We ought to start at the northern end of California, all the way down to the southern end, and we need to put up a 30-foot wall. Okay. All these people who want to riot and protest, let's just give them to California. Oh. No, I can't can't do it. I love California. The Napa Valley, the beautiful hilly San Francisco, San Diego. But let's just see what the governor, what Governor Newsom would do. I know. You know, it, it, it comes back. Is there a difference between one who is a leader and one who is a participant under the disguise of being the leader? Well, yeah, I, I, I think that that's well worth considering. I, I agree with you on that. You know, Richard, I have to tell you, I, don't, I can't get anybody to go along with me on my line of thinking here. <laughs> and I know that you won't cooperate either. <laughs> So I'm ready for you. But you and I love to challenge each other anyway. Or I don't know that we love it. We just do it, right? Okay. You know, I'm ready. I, I really mean it. I want that kind of week. And I think if we got the funding for 25 bucks an hour for all those people, so there's, you know, let's say there's there's a 1,000 people who are really participating in all this icky, rioting, mean-spirited, exhausting stuff. And and we get them for a week, and we and we bring them to a beautiful place. And we treat them how they've never been treated before in their life. And it, you know, we we got to get we got to get Tony Robbins there, and we need to get Billy Graham Jr. there, and you and I are there, and you know, we get um, we get a, we get we get a, a, a massive amount of people who are there who are true blue Americans, and we get them to really talk about um, goodness. And, and humanity and the human condition. And we really do things with these people to get them to understand the benefit of etiquette and the benefit of, of critical thinking skills because we teach them to them. You know, I, I just don't believe, I don't believe that people are, are in, inherently evil. I think people get damaged and, and, and we need to do things to, to heal them by teaching them and and I my heart is it my heart is hurting. I mean I'm I am I, I'm very I'm very mindful and prayerful and respectful of our Creator, and I and I and I believe that we are called upon during this time to be exactly how you and I are being, but also to be so optimistic and loving. Now I got to tell you, there's a really good friend of mine who I, I absolutely adore, who is. Italian through and through from his shoes to the top of his head, tough guy, brilliant guy, wonderful guy. And I look to him like a, he's a good friend and he's like a a brother and I just love him and respect him. And he's created an incredible life. And he, and he's like, he's like James Bond, seriously, (laughs) you know, kind of a character. And so he's just got everything all together, you know, and I, and I keep talking to him about all this, saying, don't tell me that we're Cuba. Don't tell me that you see how this is going to go and it's going to be this way. 
And he looks at me and he says, shakes his head. He says, Deb, Doc Deb, your optimism, it's just beautiful. It ain't so. And I say, but come on, we we need to love these people through this. They have to be, listen, they have to come out and do all the cleanup on everything that they ripped down. They've got to learn how to do construction, and they have to learn how to clean off the paint from the monuments. And we'll get them there, but the very first steps have got to be not beating them. I think that all these people have been beaten. Uh, and that's that's why they think that, you know, doing what they're doing is okay because they're resentful or they've been convinced, I don't know, something. Because those are the people who are answering the ad. You know, they feel justified. Like, oh, that ad was written right for me. It's the best algorithm in the universe. It fits me to a T. I'm angry. I'll go do that. We have to heal these people, and then they have to want to participate in the cleanup of what it is that they did. And then we sit down and we have these conversations and we talk. There's nobody to talk to right now. And if we don't get peace happening first, then we're never going to be able to make it happen. You and I know from working with families, from working with couples, somebody, I used to hate it when my parents would say this to me. I'm the youngest of three by six and 12 years. Deb, you and your sister and brother really need to make peace. And Okay, what are you coming to me for? I'm the youngest one here. Because you're the bigger one. You know, be the bigger person. Now, I don't know, maybe they said that to my sister and brother too. But somebody had to step in and do something. Otherwise, nothing would ever happen. So we got to do something. It's got to be interrupted. If we throw these people in jail, they're not going to get reformed there. Although my friend Kathy Lambert has got a program, you know, where they're reforming people. But we can't do it fast enough. And they're letting people out of jail. So you tell me. Well, let me let me go to what you're talking about. What I, am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, that was the first thing I was trying to figure out, but I think I understand it uh, because I understand where your heart comes from, and that you are an um, eternal optimist, and that's one of the things I I love about you is that you are that. But sometimes, as an, an eternal optimist, we have a challenging time looking at life from reality. I know. Yeah. So we get all these people. We're going to put them there. We're going to pay them $25 an hour. Now, do you think that might be the reason some of them come? Yes. Okay. So that's, that's, our, uh, that's our hook. Whatever it takes to get them there. Yeah, we're going to pay them $25 an hour. And so they're going to come, and all of a sudden, we're going to show them love. The majority of them will use to manipulate and buy in so that they make sure they get their $25 an hour. I know. And then, but when it comes to putting them to work, uh, they're going to balk. You know, you know the, one of the things that I think we don't talk enough about, and it's just one of the things that drives me, and I wish we'd pay more attention to it, is just one little simple phrase that I keep talking about. All behavior has an agenda. Yeah, it does. And nothing's going to improve until we know what the agenda is. 
you put behind that the thought, all human lives collide at the point of agendas. you, You just look at what's happening today. It's agenda after agenda colliding, and no one no one wants to talk. They just want to fight for their agenda. But if you ask a lot of them, they don't even know what their agenda is. I think I do. What is it? it scares me to death. What is it? All Caucasians disappear. Every one of our homes are emptied out of us and people who want to move in and they take over and they think that life is easy and it's a gift. They just want the experience of it. They want to own it. They want to be it. And they have no idea what the cost is. So let me ask you a bigger question. Mm. Do you think that this Black Lives Matters movement is being driven by the majority or the minority of African-American people? Well, you know, I've wondered about that a lot because I know, I know the people who, who have touched my lives, who are my um, black colleagues, my black friends, people <clears throat> who I dearly love, and I know that they love me. And there's not an endorsement for the 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 bad behavior, but there's a there's a shred of um, understanding about it, and and a and a and a defense mechanism that comes into place. Um, one of my favorite friends in the whole wide world is a, an incredible black woman who started out. As a client in a school district, I absolutely adore her. We've been friends for decades, and her boys are grown, beautiful black men, and I have some interactions with them on Facebook, and they're always very polite. But they they have made one of them has made clear to me, you know, Deb, what about this? I don't think you understand. Or, you know, your perspective about this. And he's and he's a little angry, but he knows his mom and he knows me. And he's and he's not going to be abrasive because that's not his style. And he's he learned his etiquette and his manners and he's he's gonna be polite, but you know, I would have thought that um I would I, I've prayed that none of this violence has support, but the fact of the matter is that it does. So I would, I would like to think that the majority is not there. I see, you know, I see blacks who come out who are famous and they have substance and voice and, and followers. And they're saying this is wrong and here's all the reasons why. And then I see people who are um, pedestrian, you know, they're just like no following. I mean, they're you and me and they've got uh, just their citizens. And they're up and they're saying, this is so wrong, cut it out. You know, there was Philadelphia mom who her son was at a riot a few years ago. She came out and she found him there and, you know, she was she went viral. Him by the ear and yeah. led him out of there. Exactly, exactly. And, and so, you know, I know that that's there, but I, I don't know, Richard. I, I don't know. And in the, in the last four minutes we have on the air, 
we better figure it out. <laughs> so you well, tell me. I think that there's a difference between what you demand and what you earn. Oh, yeah, huge. I mean, I have several, you know, black people here in my neighborhood here in Virginia. And, you know, we sit around and we talk sometimes. Or I'll see them when I'm out walking. And uh, they hate this. Yeah. Because yeah. They're, being, they're being pigeonholed. They're being, they're being stereotyped. Right. And it's not who they are. You know, if you if you want to find a culprit in all of this, you go back to one thing: the message of the media. I I know, <clears throat> I know. And, you know, I think if you I think if you want to redefine the word terrorist, use one word: media. media. Yeah, terrorist, terrorism. Media delivers these messages. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. I've surfed the channels. I think maybe I'm watching somebody reasonable, and then I'm thinking to myself, oh, dear God in heaven. Now, there are a couple of individuals who I admire. However, the platforms, cock-a-doodle-doo, don't like them. Well, but, you know, one time early on, you and I talked about this. The people we see on TV are just paid talent. Yeah, right. They're taught to read a teleprompter. And whether they agree with it or not, they're they're paid to read a teleprompter. So when you look at media, see the face, but know the stories behind the face. Well, this is what we call a cliffhanger. (laughs) Because they're going to knock us out of the box here, but we're going to wrap well, up the episode, and then will you stick around for a minute? Okay. <laughs> Friends, this is your host and your host and host, Dr. Deb Carlin and Dr. Richard Flint, who I also refer to as Sir Richard, signing off for today here on Blog Talk Radio on the K-Factor. A little riled up. I think I might have given myself a little headache. It's kind of disturbing. Hey, you know what? We're here to make a point, and we're making it. Until next time, take care and be safe. Signing off. Peace out, friends.